Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Good evening, Beer Geeks. Welcome to the Friday 5pm podcast. And as far as I'm concerned, welcome to California. The... uh, well, no, it's snow this morning. I was about to say the sun is shining and I'm I'm feeling like I'm on the West Coast, but I've been on a West Coast kick that has gone beyond the beer, Bradley. Beyond the beer, eh? Beyond the beer. What's... I've been I've been listening to a slow burn podcast all about uh Biggie versus uh versus Tupac. So West yes. versus East. I have been drinking incredible amounts of West Coast IPA and indeed conversing with multiple people on the West Coast through the comments on our video, through uh, chatting to Vinny and uh, also in the hunt for our potential new video editor. There seem to be quite a lot of Californians that are up for it. Nice. That's good news, eh? So I've got everything the, uh... except the, the weather and the free and easy life and the, the, the beautiful sea. Did you say it snowed this morning where you are? Yeah, it's snowed where I am up in Hertfordshire, mate. Wow. Yeah. Is it actually it didn't settle. settled or? No, okay. no, no, no. It was it was already too wet, the ground. So uh, yeah. all it did was make me put my bins out a bit wet this morning. It's just been raining rain here in uh, South London. So it's the I'm urban heat island envious. of London, mate. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The heat island. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of heat islands, our video this week has been garnering quite a lot of heat hasn't it johnny (laughs) we're not quite as good at the links this week that was uh tortured but it worked exactly right to tell the truth i'm not feeling uh, at my best as i've as i've told you pre-podcast it's the mexican soda i reckon i i yeah i drank i consumed well this week i've had uh i've had a bit of a stressful week which i won't go into but um i had a lovely dinner out at a, a fancy uh restaurant the other night called brat with my old friend Matt, Brat with my old friend Matt, and um, <laughs> we had a giant steak that we shared together, like a rib of beef that was, everything's all cooked on open fire, um, like a harvester, but just about 10 times the price of a harvester. What do you mean, like a harvester? Uh, in that it... it's cooked on an open sort of fire it's not like a harvester that was a joke oh right um, but when, i was gonna say I unless first... that harvester's literally <laughs> caught fire there is no yeah, yeah, yeah. open fire cooking <laughs> in a harvester when when this very expensive steak came out uh my, and i ate the first mouthful i said to matthew oh it's just like the harvester isn't it just to sort of uh <laughs> take the piss but um there's yeah, um, some there's an amazing uh quote uh in peep show that's always stuck with me as a beer geek but uh um 
Jez goes out for a nice meal uh, with a lady and they buy a bottle of wine and he's like, like, the bottle of wine costs like 25 quid and he's kicking off. And then he drinks it and his little monologue inside is like, it's nice, but it, it's not Coke, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Which always makes me chuckle when I think about it because it's true. So many things are good, it, but they're not Coke. It is true. I mean, Coke is excellent which sort of moves me on to my my uh well actually that we we drink i didn't drink any i had a five points pale there which was good but i had some um some very expensive red wine uh which was a cabernet sauvignon from curazon uh winery in napa valley who apparently is a feminist icon one of the first sort of female wine producers in uh, napa and I'm not. A I guess so you're on a California guy. kick still. Yeah, true, true. Actually, I didn't even consider that. But honestly, it was amazing, and I didn't get a hangover, and I felt great the next day, and it was it was delicious with with the steak. But then yesterday, I went and ruined it all by drinking some sort of Mexican Coke type thing. But it was called I think it's called Limca, and it was like a sort of I thought it was like lemony, uh, like a lemonade or something. But um, I read all the, the ingredients on the back of it, and it didn't have a single ingredient that I'd heard of ever. Um, <laughs> that is quite so, a record. Not even water. Yeah, it had the yeah. The main ingredient was water. Then it was sugar, and then it was literally a load of stuff I'd never heard of. <laughs> and I thought, damn it! I thought it was going to be like a sort of Mexican sugar cane Coke, but it but it really wasn't. Um, it tasted pretty good. I got my girlfriend to taste it. She thought it tasted absolutely appalling um it's it was just super limey um and, and, and now you're broken and now i'm broken my insides are now on my outsides uh <laughs> oh, God. i feel i feel absolutely like half a man it's like it's pretty bad um but anyway should we talk about uh nicer things in life but that was that was from uh the, you know the 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 sort of greater americas and that was a bad thing that happened to me this week but uh We've had so many good things. That we have, have yeah. To us this week. I, I can't remember how we got away from the video, but um, we we were happened. making a strong link to the video, and it has done <laughs> extremely well, as as I suspected it might be, because well, it was only with Bloody Russian River, um, and in fact, we we actually released two videos, which have both done pretty well. So um, one was our first uh, West Coast IPA homebrew episode, in which we teamed up with none other um the russian river to to come up with a recipe for that and then because the interview that i did with Vinny while we discussed the recipe and worked it all out was so good and so full of gold and educational stuff i've put that live as well um and i'm gonna put it live live so it's unlisted so you can click through to it from the main video but on sunday i'll put it live live if you haven't seen it so it'll just come up in your feed um and and yeah i mean that that hour is the most informative hour of homebrewing advice i've ever had um so it's well worth um well worth a watch uh what did you learn bradley from the video uh i learned about crystal malts that they're mm. they're like quite naughty and maybe maybe they're not the best thing to sort of put in if you if you want to avoid oxidation and, and the like yeah um, maybe yeah ipa is maybe not the best idea which is weird because they're so sort of associated with it but if you're going for a big imperial stout might even be for the best um, if you want that beer to sort of feel like it's aged a little. Um, True that. Yeah. Um, I, I went on Twitter this morning and asked my friend who, who well, used to be a maltster what the difference in process between Munich and Crystal Malt is and then realised that I'd probably written about it in our first book, and I had. So I do know the difference. It's to do with the temperature that the malts are stewed at before they're kilned. Um, so maybe going to a 
a higher temperature um, makes it more susceptible to oxidation. But yeah, always read your books before you um, ask questions of people if you've written a book. Yeah. Do you Terrible think, advice. I mean, if, if uh, you know, a grain of malt was sentient, it'd have quite a bad time, wouldn't it? When it's being sort of treated to, to become sort of used in beer. It kind of goes through a torturous process. It is pretty bad, yeah. It's cook- literally you bring it to life and then you cook it. Yeah, it's kind of so like, you like the... wake it up and then you kill it. Like a sort yeah, of it's the food version of lamb. Yeah, it's quite bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and then there's all the roasting that goes into it, like slowly sort of being roasted. They're dead at that point, but you know, still it's not great, eh? But yeah, there it tastes delicious. L- luckily, Sugary. veganism doesn't preclude us from uh, eating or drinking malt. Um, so yeah um, that was the first episode of our homebrew uh, escapade into West Coast IPAs it's safe to say that at the end of that video we had not done Vinny justice Uh, the beer that I had um, which I tipped away a couple of days ago to um, put the new batch into keg um, was yeah just it was was too malty, too estery too bitter, just a real uh, uh, I think a hot mess is exactly the right phrase uh, for that beer um so the new new batch um looked and smelled unreal. Um oh. it's got it's got to drop a little bit more clear I'm hoping. Um but otherwise I'm I'm quite excited about it. Um I had a little taste it's got a little bit of yeast bite at the moment but I think that'll drop out too. So excited about that. Um but that that is for next week when obviously Brad is up for the brew. There's plenty of Brad in the next episode. I know we get lots of comments when it's just me. Um, which I, I understand, but it still hurts. Um, what comments did you see that you enjoyed, Brad? So we, we had obviously a million questions, quite, a lot of them quite technical, which I'll probably leave to you, Johnny. But I just, I like some of the more positive life affirming questions. We, we had one from Hard Yards Brewer, uh, who just said, well done, a collaboration with Russian River. How good. Ah, bringing people together. Looking forward to the tasting of uh of the next one cheers mike and uh we had another comment from mikhail who said the joy emanating from both of you in the first three or four minutes it's so genuine it's almost contagious so happy for you guys congrats it makes me proud to be a and then in brackets small patreon but we don't mind about that do we johnny there's no such thing as a small patreon you're all big to us that's it. Everyone, it, it's an open heart policy. Everyone, we, yeah, it just makes me feel great to know that people are kind of loving what we do to the point where they might give us a, a pound a month or something. It's yeah. just wonderful. Um, and it really does help. So thank you, Mikhail. Um, and I hope I've pronounced your name correctly, sir. I reckon you did. Um, so I, uh, the question that I've picked out is from Jan Nystrom. Who who asks uh, what would you now change in the brew studio? So Ooh. having done how many brews have we done? Uh, I've done the west two west coasts. I've done a trial pilsner. Um, is that it? Yeah, three brews. Um, yeah. The the main thing I'd change, um, and I thought about doing it when I built the the, the brewdio, is to raise the fermenters. Right. So obviously a fermenter you need to get to the bottom of it because when stuff settles out, you dump it from the bottom, which means I'm spending a lot of time on my hands and knees in the Brudio, folks, um, getting carpet burns and everything. Um, so I you probably... You carpet, Johnny. 
Oh no, yeah, I've got a little. I have, I've, got, I've, got, got, I've got a rug. You've I've got, got a rug. rug. I love a yellow rug. Um, so yeah, that that's a bit of a pain. So I probably want to have raised it by, you know, the dream would be a meter, um, so that it's sort of a sort of waist height. But the the reason I didn't do that when I built it is because that would have made the room feel a lot lot smaller. Yeah, yeah, it would, and it would have covered up the covered art up the artwork. Yeah. Um, but it would have added more storage, so it was, it was a real. It was, I was in a bind deciding about that, um, and I, yeah, I still well, don't know, you know I made the right it's, choice. It's never too late to uh, adapt and change, right? I guess it's you don't never need too to late be. For now. You don't need to be that high. How high did you want to be? A meter, did you say? Yeah, probably. Basically, put it on a desk. Essentially, the desk is usually about seventy, seventy-five high. Probably about that. Yeah, that is that does feel quite high actually. Um, would it make it more of a sort of uh, stumbling uh, problem where it could potentially fall off? Uh, <laughs> I think that's Brad, your anxious Brad's brain working. Yeah, yeah. I think when you look online at most grandfather setups, people have raised their fermenters for that exact reason. The the other very important reason why people do it is for gravity. So I do a pressure transfer, which means that I can transfer the beer without it seeing any oxygen. Um, so you basically you push CO two in from the top and force the beer out of the bottom. And I have to use much more CO2 force to do that than I would if gravity was helping as well, because it's pushing it sort of back up into the keg rather than down into the keg. Got you. Okay. You see what I mean? So it's, it's something to think about. That's a video there, isn't it? The kind of um, fine-tuning of the brewery in a sort of fast and furious style <laughs> where we... Exactly. Um, we Marginal we games. Like a, Sky, yeah, marginal gains, Vin Sky Diesel recycling. sort of character. I'll get real pumped up for. I'll get swole for the summer, and uh, <laughs> come in and and then we can. I'll bring my blowtorch and we can uh, start doing a sort of A team montage where we transform it into a uh, pimp my brew brudio. Which, which guy in the A team are you? Uh, probably B A Baracus. You reckon? Um, yeah, why not? He's very flamboyant in his sort of. You've got uh, the rings. You've got the accessories, haven't stuff. you? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. yeah. I that's just need true. to get the mohawk. Um, he's. Uh, I've I've actually got a BA Baracus uh, action figure that's like a twelve inch high action figure, which I okay. Well, I let's do stop from. animation of the uh, <laughs> the changes with that. <laughs> yeah, we can do like a sort of Adam and Joe show style. Uh, you know, the sort of squeaky Star Wars uh, and like toy, no, what's it called? Uh, toy spotting. Where have you seen that with the train spotting, but it's little toys and they're all sort of <laughs> I don't think I have, no. Oh, it's amazing. We need to put a link. Um, toy spotting, Adam and Joe, and the little stuffed toys are um, addicted to sherbet. You know, the sherbet that used to come in the sort of yellow and black tubes. Sherbet. Yeah, the straws. And it would, yeah, and it would have yeah, it would have like that. Uh, was it like a licorice or something in it? And you dip it in, and they're sort of putting that in their arms like it's a syringe. It's <laughs> uh, it's very good. Um, I think that could be from the very first episode of Adam and Joe. Thinking about it, uh, toy spotting. But yeah, wow. um, we'll do that. But we'll do that with my BA Baracus action figure, and I've also got a Macho Man uh, Randy Savage action figure that I could just bring in the mix as well. He's at a different scale. But you know, <laughs> in my head, I heard Lily Savage, and I was like, "What oh. would? The- oh no, I'm with you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking '80s icons here. I've probably got yeah. a Gremlin. Hey, well, Lily- as well, hey, Lily Savage is an '80s icon. 
maybe 90s, 90s icon 90s 90s, 90s yeah right. for sure Paul, and now paulo grady uh with his sort of dog shows he does uh, actually I, I haven't seen those in a while but for a while he just seemed to be doing lots of different uh dog shows on on television which you know does he present he crufts of, now I bet he does. I, mm, he's a bit too lowbrow for crossmate. Come on, let's be honest. Um, I, I think I think he stepped in the the uh, shoes of Rolf Harris when he was disgraced. Yeah. So uh, he he needed to fill that void of a sort of um, caring animal old person. Yeah. Uh, role. But yeah, obviously now we know Rolf's a monster. Uh, I've still got a stylophone as well, which is the musical instrument that Rolf promoted in the 70s. Um, Brad, why are we going heard... down a Rolf Harris rabbit hole? What? <laughs> why know. are we giving this guy airtime? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You just said his name again. But the stylophone is, is a fun musical instrument. It is. Uh, but yeah. It so, is. Don't, uh, don't let Rolf taint zy- uh, stylophones. Stylophones, No. Uh, should we have this week's question, Johnny? To move Anything on? but more Rolf chat. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, there's something else I wanted to say around um, around the Brudio, and I can't remember. Oh, yes. Um, so in the build video, we didn't do the Kiza, but I've made mm. giant steps towards the Kiza this week. Um, so basically, my parents came over to uh, to visit my, my daughter, and I guess me, Um and because they don't get in for free, uh, I set my dad a task of working out the depth of the freezer I was thinking of buying. Because despite trying to speak to Hisense, uh, the company that makes it, multiple times, they couldn't tell me the internal depth. Um, so through a mixture of scaling photos, googling other freezers, um, and emailing other people, and indeed the website we were on has this feature where you can ask people who already own it, a bit like the Amazon one. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've worked out that the freezer I was looking at is deep enough for corny kegs. Oh. So I'm going to be ordering the the freezer that will be the Kiza <laughs> today. Exciting. Um, Exciting. Yeah. So I think we need to get you up to to mine, Brad, for the the Kiza build, and we'll do a video just on building the most beautiful Kiza that we can. This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Oh, uh, uh, keys are good. Keys are good. Uh, yep. key, keys are good. Yeah. Something like that. We can use yep. that as the, the intro. To get demonetized. We, yeah. We can just, we, we just use that there. That was the best take. And then we'll put it on a sort of rave uh, background. <laughs> we'll um, make you doing that on the Friday 5 p.m. The yeah, soundtrack yeah, yeah. to the video. My, my, my enthusiasm with my, my, uh, my tummy ache, uh, today is, is waning. But, um, I love that you still call it tummy ache, Bradley. At the age eight. of thirty-nine, 
I've got a tummy ache. A tummy ache is a hilarious uh, thing to say you have, I think, as an adult man. <laughs> if you've got a, a tummy ache, it's, you know, it's uh, it's a serious thing, Johnny. It's a serious thing. It, it um, certainly is. Um, should, well, should we do the question for this week? We're a beer come podcast, on then. Bradley. We're a beer come podcast. On then. Right, the question for this week, thank God, is beer is beer related. Um, yes. And it comes from Dan Williams or cm.beer on Instagram, as you will find out in just a second. Hi, Johnny and Brad. It's uh, Dan here. Myself and a couple of friends recently have been working to promote the beer scene in Cheshire and Merseyside, predominantly through our Instagram account, cm.beers. We were interested to hear you talking recently about regionality in beer, and it made us think about the differences we've noticed between the explosion of interest in craft in Manchester and the apparently more gradual uptake in Liverpool. For us, while there is a decent amount of modern craft, Liverpool breweries do appear to have a greater focus on traditional ale styles. Craft tap rooms are fairly few and far between, in comparison to Manchester at least. We're never going to complain about traditional cask options close to home. But why do you think this is? Is this an indicator of regional identity and respect for tradition or something else? So there we go. Thank you, Dan, for that question. Um... I mean, it's, it, there's got to be lots of reasons, right? There can't just be one reason. You know, if it was like a law or something in Liverpool that said no breweries mm. here, then we could point to that. But it must be endless reasons as to why Liverpool um, and, and Birmingham as well, a little bit further south, I think these two towns have been a lot slower. Have you got any thoughts? Well, I think Liverpool is is very much in the north. And uh, I think sort of to sort of paraphrase... Uh, Game of Thrones, the the North remembers. Uh, I think the king in the North is still cask, right? So it's nice that they remember the old ways, and I think there's a real reverence for for uh, real ale up there and and milds and all these kind of like great things that us Southerners don't necessarily get our uh, laughing chops around as much as we used to. I mean, there's definitely more cask. Cask is a bigger, more important sort of cultural and a cultural institution and I think more cask is probably drunk up there and it's obviously served in a in a very different way but that wouldn't explain why Liverpool is slower than Manchester unless yeah. it's simply that you know so Manchester had a real spark very early on in marble so that was you know marble founded in the 90s um, and I don't, I'm not aware of any modern breweries in Liverpool that opened that early. And I think if you look at other northern towns that also have a great love uh, for cask, like Leeds and Sheffield, um, they've had little sparks as well. Leeds, it was probably North Bar, which was bringing in modern beer from all over the country very, very early on. And then in Sheffield, you had Abbeydale uh, in the centre and then Thornbridge not far away. So I, I think the main reason is that for whatever reason, there wasn't that impetus. There wasn't that initial spark. Um, so I wouldn't say that Liverpool's sort of been slower. It's not slow on the uptake. It's just literally behind on the uptake. Yeah, um, I mean, we can we can say if we look across the Mersey to to Birkenhead, uh, Glen Africa there, who are, I don't know, I can't remember exactly how many years they've been around for, but they, you know, they're kind of leading the charge maybe across, across the Mersey. Um one of our pro patrons, one of our oldest pro patron, I believe, it was uh, our first pro patron. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know whether I mean certainly they're perhaps leading the charge now, and they've they've seen some great growth, but they weren't. Um, I'm, try, I'm trying to think, like um, Mad Hatter, weren't they Liverpool? Um, who, who I mean, they made 
made a bit of a splash when they first opened and they had the tzatziki beer um, that sort of got quite a lot of excitement around it. Um, Who was the otherwise, female... it's literally the last fem- couple of years. Yeah. There was that female-owned brewery um, that we haven't been to yet. Neptune. Uh, Neptune, yeah. Is that Liverpool or is that near Liverpool? Um, I think, I think, what? Uh, I don't know whether it's central Liverpool. I think it's certainly nearby. Yeah. Um, I mean, we... We had a good time when we went out drinking there. We went to Day Crafty Beer Company. I remember that place. That was that was pretty cool. That seemed like a a, a little kind of bastion of uh, craft beeriness. Um, I remember that was a good night out. We went to a sort of giant beer hall that was underneath Turncoat um, near the near the docks, wasn't it? Yeah, that Turncoat. Was, that, I mean, they, they, that I, they've cool. definitely got stuff going on now. It's just, yeah, they are just they are just behind. And I think it is that lack of a spark. I think, you know, in Manchester, probably so many of the people that worked at Marble went on to work at other breweries or found other breweries, you know. So James, who founded Cloudwater uh, with Paul, he was an ex-Marble brewer. Um, Colin Strong, who... Um, uh, went to Buxton and then to Northern Monk and then is at Salt now. He started off at Marble. Um, JK, who's now, I think he's still head head brewer or head of development at Brewdog. He started at Marble. You know, Marble is one of these breweries, a bit like Camden in London, where everybody sort of got their start and then went off and did their own thing. And I, I think Liverpool's lack of that brewery um, is possibly the reason that they've, they've lagged behind a little bit. So... I, I don't know. People from Liverpool, I'd love to hear your thoughts as to whether Liverpool is more sort of real ale, more traditional, obsessed. I don't necessarily associate it with real ale as much as I would Manchester with JW Lees or Birmingham with Banks or Sheffield with, um, uh, well, Sheffield with multiple different real ale breweries. Um, it, it is a really interesting one that sort of has myriad reasons, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, nowadays, you know, Liverpool's a great craft beer destination. Um, you've you've got some really wonderful and really beautiful pubs you've got obviously places like dead crafty the glen affleck tap room i think is great uh they've got uh top rope and yeah neptune as well i've looked neptune's just out of just out of town in where are I? near near maghole which i've never heard of oh, but it doesn't look too far out hmm. um so yeah i mean I, I can't really answer that question i feel like it's a question that maybe the people from liverpool would be better placed to answer um but i i would put it down to a lack of an early adopter is my thinking. Yes, let's do that. Let's put it down today. There you go. Mystery solved. Mystery solved. <laughs> we can close the book on that one, Johnny. I think I, that was... Uh, I, th- I think we can. Know. We've solved, solved one of life's great <laughs> mysteries. Maybe we can talk about why Birmingham's in a similar situation at some point. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening, everybody. Next week is, of course, episode two of our Russian River Odyssey. Um, and hopefully the beer that is in keg and carving right now is going to be absolutely stellar, but we'll have to see. Um, and then on Sunday, we do have the release of uh, the full interview with Vinny, which even if you're not a home brewer, still has some nuggets of, of gold in there around sort of the formation of, of uh, Pliny and, and Blind Pig and, and some other cultural stuff. So do give it a go. Treat it like a podcast because it's an hour long. You don't have to watch it. It's not very interesting, but the listening of it, uh, there's lots of gold so yeah we'll see you Sunday and we'll see you Wednesday love and beer love, 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 love. 
The Bubble and Friday 5pm podcast are brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer channel. You can watch over 400 mini documentaries at youtube.com slash the craft beer channel. And if you love what we do, support us via Patreon and get access to merchandise and our amazing Discord forum, a positive and welcoming space for everyone who loves beer, food and homebrewing. Love and beer. Love and beer.